Well, hey, good morning to you, Grace. It's good to see you this morning. I'm glad that you uh, survived Stormwatch 2019 already. Man, <laughs> we've already been through it and you've already survived it. Uh, we're in the series that we're calling What's Next, and it's just all about this time of the year that we're in, New Year's, and we always kind of want to know what's happening next, what's going to go on next, and every person in here wants this next year to be better than last year. Even if last year wasn't bad, I've never heard a person say on New Year's Day, man, I really hope that this next year is worse than last year. Do you ever hear anybody? No, everybody wants this next year to be better than last year. And so that's why we think of habits that we'd like to get rid of or habits that we'd like to add that would make this next year better than last year. And so we make these commitments and we call them resolutions, you know, these, these commitments to add something new that we'd like to do or get rid of something that we don't like about ourselves and make this year a little better than last year. 50% of Americans make some sort of commitment like that, make some sort of resolution like that. Here, here's the bad news. 8% actually make it. <laughs> 8. 25% of you who made resolutions on New Year's Day, you're going you're gonna to quit by tomorrow, one week. 25% of people quit in one week. I know that's kind of discouraging, but I think there's a reason why we, we can't keep or don't keep these resolutions, these commitments. And so I want to show you a few myths about our habits. Today we're talking about habits. I want to show you three myths about our habits that, that we believe, and that's why I think we give up on these commitments that we want to make so quickly. The first myth is this, that it's a lack of willpower that is the cause for my failure. You know, I wanted to do it, but I couldn't do it because I just didn't have enough willpower. I'm just too lazy to exercise like that. I'm just too lazy to eat those kinds of things. And so I just don't have the willpower. And there's lots of study that has been done on this whole idea of willpower. And to boil it all down, what studies say is that everybody in this room has the same amount of willpower. Everyone in here has the same amount of willpower and then it runs out. <laughs> That's what it is. I mean, you can see that in kids. You know, kids, for a certain amount of time, they can stand up straight. They can, they can not touch things at grandma's house. They can be quiet. They can be nice. They can hold it. They have to go to the bathroom. And then it all just breaks loose. It's not that they're bad kids. It's just they had a certain amount of willpower, and then it runs out. And that's the same as it is for adults. And so what do you need when the willpower runs out? Well, that's really what a habit is. A good habit is one that keeps you going on something that you want to do even when your willpower runs out. The second myth that people believe is that it takes 21 days to form a new habit. That's a myth. How long do you think that it takes? A lot longer, yeah, yeah. There's a study out of England that says 66 days. That's relatively recent, 66 days. And so if you understand the idea of averages, it, half the time it takes longer than 66 days. But that's not even the reality of it. It takes forever to create a new habit. Because as soon as you stop doing it, it's no longer a habit anymore. <laughs> you know? As soon as you stop it, it's not a habit. And so the real question is, is how long does it take to make it easy for me to do it? That's what we all want to know. How long does it take for me just to get easier? Habits aren't a, a finish line to cross and then finally I'm done. A new habit that you want to begin is it's a lifestyle to live. It's not 21 days to it. Uh, and if I get to my 22nd day and I didn't start it, well, we just quit. 
You know, that's why uh, all the gyms are filled today through uh, the first three weeks of January. And by the first week of February, no one's in there because that's longer than 21 days. And we figured that it would be 21 days and then it'd already be easy for me, but it's not. It's a lifestyle to live. And so the third myth that uh, people believe about uh, our habits is that knowing the benefits of a new habit will change our behavior. Because we know that it's good for us, then that is what's going to change our, our habits. There's this um, government campaign called Fruit and Veggies More Matters. I don't even know if you heard of this, but there's a, it's a federal campaign, dietary campaign, Fruits and Veggie More Matters is the name of More Matters. And the idea is to get Americans to eat more fruits and vegetables, primarily green vegetables is the, is the focus of this one. And what's interesting is since 2007, the, the consumption rate in the U.S. of green vegetables has decreased. It's plummeted. How many green vegetables have you eaten today? I mean, really, come on. You ate donuts today. That's what you ate, okay? You didn't eat any green veggies today, right? And so even though we all know we should be eating more green vegetables we know the benefits. It has plummeted in the U.S. because knowing how good it is doesn't get our habits to be where they're supposed to be. How do you learn a habit? By doing it. That's how you learned all your bad habits. (laughs) No one told you to do those, but you learned them because you did them. And so since this is the first week of the new year, we're talking about habits a little bit. And did you know the Bible talks about a habit? that we should all do. When I say all, I mean the people in this room who are believers who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about one good habit we should all include in our everyday rituals, in our habits. So today we're not talking about something that we're going to get rid of. Today we're not talking about something that you don't like about yourself and you're going to you know, stop it. Today is one good habit to begin, and here's my promise, that this one habit is going to get you what you want. That's my promise. For everybody who's sitting in here, Grace Community Church, first service, you weathered the storm, you're going to get what you want if you do just this one habit. And so that's a big promise to keep, but I think I can. Would you turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts? The book of Acts, A-C-T-S. It's in the right-hand side of your Bible. In the New Testament, We're following the life of the new church, meaning when it first started in the book of Acts, A-C-T-S, the the book of actions, the actions of the new church. And together, they went through these various spiritual growth steps. They did this, and then they did that, and then they did that. And the reason that they did it all together is because they were all saved at about the same time, within just a few days of each other or a few months of each other, maybe within a year or two of each other. And so they were all going through these spiritual growth steps at about the same time. Now, we're not like that church. There are some people in this room who have been Christians for 60 years. There's some of you in here who have been Christians for 60 days. And so everyone in this room is going through these steps, these, these spiritual growth things at a different rate, and you're in a, at a different place than someone else is in this room. And so that's why I can't preach one sermon on this. Uh, we're going through the various steps. And so I want you in this series just to pick the place where you are. Today might be yours. Maybe you've already taken today's step, and maybe next week is yours. But my goal is just that you take one step closer to Jesus this year. That's it. Just one. Just one. I don't want you to do, you know, do 16 things to make it 19, 2009. I just, one. 
Just pick the one thing that is your next step to grow closer to Jesus. And so last week, I want to remind you where we were. We read this verse. We read Acts chapter 2, verse 38. You remember this one where Peter says to them, Repent, each one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, that is the first step. When you hear about Jesus, step one is repent. That means go the other way. Uh, you, you were doing this, and now you're doing that. Repent. Put your faith and trust in Jesus as the Savior. That is the first step. And then uh, last week, the next step was to be baptized. Remember, there were 120 people total who were Christians. They were counted, 120 of them. And they had seen their, their Savior, their Lord, their, their confidant, their friend die on the cross. They had then seen him miraculously in a wonderful, surprising way. He rises from the grave and then not too long later he goes back up into, into heaven called the Ascension saying that he's going to come back someday. And I mean, just imagine the, the swirling of emotions. And so now you have 120 Christians who are standing around wondering, what do we do now? Jesus is in heaven. <laughs> What's next for us? And so their calendar year just kind of rolled along and it was time for their big national celebration called the Feast of Weeks. The Feast of Weeks was a giant celebration, kind of like Christmas where everyone on the street is celebrating it. You know, you know everybody on your street is doing the same thing as you are. And so they had these giant block parties for the Feast of Weeks. And so all 120 Christians were all in the same house together, up and down the street was like that. There were thousands and thousands and thousands of people. People who come from outside of, of that country into this one, speaking other languages, they're all there celebrating the Feast of Weeks. And it was here at this Feast of Weeks where all these Christians were in this room that God, the Holy Spirit, comes and lives inside of them. The Bible describes it like there's shaking the ground and, and the rushing of this wind and these little flames come up on side of their heads and they start speaking these tongues, these other languages that they don't know, that other people know from other countries know, but they don't know them. And so we know this day as Pentecost. That's 50 days after the celebration of the Passover, Penta. Then so that's where we get Pentecost from. And so they're celebrating this and the, the Holy Spirit comes and the neighbors like hear the craziness that's going on next to them. They come over to investigate and then they send a text to their buddy down the street, you've got to come down to 4247 Van Buren Boulevard. Something crazy is going down here. And so more more and more people started coming down to see what was going on at this house party where people were breaking loose in languages that, that other people knew because they were from out of town and they knew the language right there, but the people around in, from that town didn't know the language. And it was just crazy. Thousands of people started coming to this one house where there was only 120 people. And so everybody who's coming, were all, they were all not Christians, okay? This was all new to them. They didn't know anything about this, so they were skeptical. They're like, eh just a bunch of drunk people at the party. You know, that would be the, the common assumption. And so the apostles were a part of the 120 in the room. They're like, okay, we've got to tell these people what's going on. They think we're drunk. And so they kind of, you know, paper, rock, scissors the thing and try to decide who's going to be the one to go out to the, all, the, all the partiers to tell them what's going on. And so they elect Peter. Peter goes out and he gives this sermon to all the partiers at the Feast of Weeks. And 
the sermon essentially includes who Jesus is, God in the flesh, that he died on the cross, that he rose from the grave, that he ascended, that he went back up into heaven, he's alive today, and he sent God the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of them. And so all of these people who heard this, their response was in verse 37. Now then when they heard this, they, meaning the 3,000 people, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? Next, what's next for us? Well, that's a good question. When you hear about who Jesus is, what is next for you? And so Peter says in verse 38, repent, change your mind about who Jesus is, that he is the Messiah, that he is your redeemer. He is everything that the Old Testament said that he was. Repent, each one of you, and then be baptized. That's step number two. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, just like they did. Verse 39, for the promise is for you, and for your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord will call into himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept exhorting them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation, verse 41. So then, those who had received the word were baptized, and they were added about 3,000 souls. Boom, 3,000 people real quick right there. It's the instant huge church. Boom, right there. And so, what's the very first step? Repent. What's the second step? Be baptized. And so many of you have already done that, though. Most of you in this room have already been baptized. You've put your faith and your trust in, in Jesus Christ. And so today is what's next. For those of you who have done that, here's what's next. Now, some of you maybe have done this one already, and so today's not for you. Today is for some other people that do need this next step. And so what is the next step? Well, let's just keep reading in verse 42. Verse 42 is what's next. Verse 42, it says, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's what's next. That's what it is. Okay, so let's look at that verse a little closer. It says, they, who are the they? These are the 3,000 people who were first not Christians. They were making fun of all the Christians for being drunk. And then they heard the truth about who Jesus is, that he was the Messiah. And, uh, and so they heard all about who he was. And this is the 3,000 people who asked, well, what do we do? And so they repented. They put their faith and their trust in Jesus. And they were going one way, but then they turned the other way. They allowed Jesus to wash their sins away. And that was the easy part for them, really. That was the personal commitment, the personal faith. But then the hard part was they were baptized. That was the hard part. That was in front of people. That was the giant leap for them was the baptism. Not that that was their salvation. They were already saved. They were already going to heaven. But making it public in front of people, that was hard for them. It was, it was against their culture. Uh, it was against what, what the, the national system was. And I know that's sometimes the hard part for some of you too who know you should be baptized. The public part is sometimes the hardest part. But they stared all that in the face. Uh, they, they looked it in the eye and they decided to do it anyway, no matter the hatred that would come, no matter the persecution that would come, they decided to do it anyway. And so then what did they do next? What did they do? The 3,000 people who heard it were saved and were baptized. What was next for them? Well, they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's what they did. Well, what, what is that? What is devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching? Well, the apostles were their pastors. Okay? The apostles were their pastors. The apostles were getting direct revelation from God. And so they were just learning about God from the apostles. And you're like, wow, that's pretty good. 
Nathan is nowhere like an apostle. I'd rather have an apostle teach us instead of Nathan. (laughs) Well, we do. That's what we're reading today. Today, it just comes in a different form, but God is teaching us through his word. And so that's essentially what they were doing. They were just learning the things about God. That's what they were doing. They were devoting themselves to learning about the things of God. It was coming from their pastors at that point in time, but now we get it from God's word. That's the next step. And I'm not talking about bringing your Bible more often to church. This is the next step. For some of you who have been saved, you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and you've been baptized, this is the next step. I'm talking about making a habit of reading your Bible every day. That is the next step for some of you. That's what's next for some of you. You've been saved. You've been baptized. You love Jesus. You're thankful for for all that he's done for you. This is the very next thing that this new church and these new Christians did. And this is the very next thing that you need to do is regularly read your Bible. And so this is for those of you who've put your faith and trust in Jesus. You've been baptized, but you don't regularly read your Bible. When I say regularly, I don't mean like, every two months, (laughs) okay? I guess that's regular, like it's on a regular cycle, but I mean regular, like read it every single day. And I know, as soon as I mention Bible reading, we got a whole bunch of different responses in here. We have four specific people. As soon as I talk about Bible reading, we have four specific people who are in here. First, we have the eye roller people, okay? You're the eye rollers in here. Like, police, You talk about this all the time. Can we move on to something that's way more important? I used to think that people couldn't see my eyes roll because they were too skinny. Um, But Tanya has helped me understand that that my eye rolls can be seen. But there's some people in here who are in here right now that are thinking, come on, can we just move on to something that's way more important than this? So we have the eye rollers in the group, okay? And then we have another group of people who... You know you should, but you just say, nope, I'm not, I'm not going to read it. The nopers. We have the eye rollers and then the nopers. Nope, I just, I know I should, but I'm not going to do it. I don't like to read, and so I'm not going to do it. I just, I know I should, not going to do it. So we have the eye rollers. We have the, the nopers. I'm not going to do that. And then we have another group, and I think this is the largest group in this room. If I know our church and I know our church family, this is the third group is, is probably the, the largest group in, in our church today. This is the, how was this even possible, Urs? Okay? <laughs> how was this even possible to read my Bible every single day? I've got work, I have school, I have homework, I have lawns to be mowed, I have bank accounts to worry about. I, there's so many kids to take. I have so many things going on. I mean, Pastor, you work one day a week. Of course, you have a lot of time to, to do this. But, but I have a life, you know? I, how is it even possible? Okay? These are the people who, who know that, they, who know that it, they should do it. They, they know that it's beneficial, and they want to, okay? So now that's why it's different than the, the eye roll. The eye rollers don't really think that this even matters. Uh, the nopers, they know it matters, and they know they should, they just don't want to. And these people, they know it's important, and they want to. They just aren't quite sure how it works into their life. And we have a fourth group in here. And here's the fourth group. The fourth group is the, yeah, I already do it-ers, okay? <laughs> yeah. 
I already do it, okay? And you guys are desperately hoping that I ask everybody to raise their hand who reads their Bibles <laughs> because you just want to show it off to everybody else. But I have some eye rollers in here who are going to key your car if you find out who you are. And so we're not going to do that, all right? If you are a yeah, I already do it, or good. I'm glad you are. You know the benefits of it. You know where I'm going with this today. You've experienced the rewards of it, and that's why you do it. And so today is not your next step. But if you're a, an eye roller, if you're a noper, if you're a how is this even possible-er, today is for you. There are some benefits to reading the Bible, and I want to show you those benefits. Would you turn in your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy? 2 Timothy chapter 2, we're going we're gonna to leave Acts. We know what their next step was. We know what those Christians' next step was. That was devoting themselves to learning from God. And that's our next step too. 2 Timothy, if you're still looking for it, all the T's are together in the New Testament. So if you find like Thessalonians or Titus or something, it all starts with T, they're all together. They just rummage around and find the 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3 Verse 14, I want to show you some benefits to reading the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 says this. You, however, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, and Timothy was saved, meaning Timothy repented. He changed his mind about who Jesus was. He repented, and he was baptized. And so Paul is now telling him, okay, here are some things that, that you should continue to do. It says, you, however, continue in the things you have learned and became convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings. Okay, let's stop right there for a minute, okay? Timothy had a, had a godly mother who had taught him about reading the Bible when he was young. And so he was familiar with this idea of reading here. It mentions the sacred writings. Specifically, this is the Old Testament. I mean, that's what they had, you know, physically when Timothy was a boy. And so he was familiar with reading, with learning the things of God. And so verse 15, it says, And that from your childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable or beneficial for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So Paul here tells Timothy, here's some benefits to reading the Bible. And I wanna pull out a few benefits. There's a ton of benefits to reading the Bible. I, you talk forever about it, but let me, just, let me just show you a few. The first one is it has spiritual value. It has spiritual value to, to us. Now remember, this is for people who put their faith and trust in Jesus and they're already baptized. And so you want to, to grow spiritually. But notice what Paul tells Timothy. He says, hey, continue in it. If there was no spiritual value, Paul would have never told Timothy to continue doing something that had no spiritual value, would he? No. The spiritual value is in the continuation of it. Does that make sense? Not the reading of it and putting it away for two months. It is in the daily continuation of reading it. That's where the spiritual value comes from. And why does it have spiritual value? In verse 16, it says that all scripture, 
is inspired. That word means breathed. Okay, inspired by who? God. It's breathed. God breathed. These words are not mine. I, I, I don't, I, I don't want to be your spirit. It's coming from God. These are words from God. This is the point where some people are skeptical. They doubt this, but I, I, I do not doubt this, that this is God-breathed. I mean, we have 66 individual writings. We call them we call them books, but there's 66 individual writings here, 40 different writers, uh, authors, uh, texters, emailers, whatever you want to call it, 40 different, over three continents, in three different languages, spanning over 1,500 years, no contradictions. This is God-breathed. And so when we read it, it has spiritual value. That's why Paul tells Timothy, you've got to continue in it. There's spiritual value for us in it. Secondly, it removes doubts about your salvation. Do you doubt your salvation? Many Christians do. Many Christians doubt their salvation, especially right after we do something stupid. How could, how could someone who's saved do something like that? We begin to doubt if I'm even saved. But in verse 15, in the middle there, it says, you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom that leads to, to salvation. Did you know that you can know that you are saved? You can know it. You, I, I, I'm sure you've doubted at some point in time whether you're really saved or not. But in 1 John 5, it says, these things I've written to you in order that you may know that you have eternal life. These things I've written to you in order that you may know, you can know that you have eternal life. How would you know? By reading these things. They're written down. When you read God's word, it, it removes doubts about your salvation. Isn't that a huge benefit? Sure it is. Here's another one. It gives us direction. And that's what verse 16 is about. Verse 16 of 2 Timothy 3 says, All scripture is inspired by God. And it's profitable or beneficial. Here's the, here's the benefits. Okay? Four benefits. For teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Reading the Bible gives us direction. Okay? That's, what, that's what the teaching is. This is the way to go. Okay? For teaching. Here's where you go. Here's how you do it. This is the way you need to go. But it's not just teaching. It's also reproof. Oh no, you've gone the wrong way. That's reproof. This is the way to go. And then reproof, oh no, you've gone the wrong way. And it's not just those two things. A lot of people think that, you know, the Bible is just those two things. Here's the way to go, and you're an idiot, okay? <laughs> but it's not just teaching and reproof, it's also correction. This is how to get back to the right way. That's the correction. All scripture is beneficial for the direction the, oh no, you're not going the right direction. Here's the way to get back on the right direction. And then the fourth one, training in righteousness, how you stay going the right direction. There's huge benefits to reading the Bible. And here are three of them. Here are three benefits to reading the Bible. You know what? This is just like vegetables. <laughs> this, is, this is just vegetables, okay? We already know from myth number three that learning the benefits of something is not gonna help you do a new habit. It's not. Now you know. <laughs> right? But you've already known this stuff. This isn't new to you. And so why don't you read the Bible every single day? 
That's because you don't have a habit of it. It's not a part of your, your normal time. And so for the next 10 minutes, I'm not going to talk more about how great reading the Bible is. I'm going to show you how you can make Bible reading a regular habit in your life. Uh, James Clear wrote a book called Atomic Habits. He's not a Christian, but he describes how something becomes a habit. And he kind of boils it down to this three-step process and how something becomes a habit. First, there's a reminder, some sort of reminder. Your alarm goes off in the morning, okay? And you want to feel awake. There's the reminder. And then there's a routine that comes from the reminder. What happens when the alarm goes off and you need to, and you want to feel awake, but you are dead to the world? You walk downstairs, half awake, you press the button on the coffee machine, and you just wait. You just stare at the coffee pouring out. Okay. You sip your coffee. There's the routine. Many of you have that routine. The alarm goes off, and you go downstairs, and you press the button on the coffee maker, and once you drink that coffee, then there's a reward. Okay? Now I, now I feel like <laughs> I, I, I'm awake. You get that caffeine hit, and now you're awake. And so this is the process for forming, beginning, learning new habits. As a reminder, the alarm goes off, the routine, that's the habit. Here's what I do every single day. And then there's a reward that comes from it. Every single time, this is how it works. This is where habits come from. And so now for you, it's a habit to make coffee. As a matter of fact, the alarm triggers making coffee, right? Just those two things that go together. They go together. Alarm equals make coffee. That's how it goes. How about this? You, you have other habits. When your cell phone dings and you know you have a text, dings, pings, vibrates, whatever it is, right? Make some weird musical sound, dogs bark, I don't know what it is. Something goes off and you know you have a text, Okay, that's the reminder, the ding. Hey, I want to know what it is, okay? That's the, the reminder. What's the routine? Grab it as fast as you can and read your text. doesn't matter where you are. You could be in a meeting. You could be in church. You could be with your kid. You could be driving down the street. It doesn't matter where you are. You grab your phone because you want to know what's on. That's the routine. That's the habit. It doesn't matter if it's in the bottom of your purse. It doesn't matter if it's in the bottom of your pocket and you're driving and you're trying to figure out how to get it. You are going to check your phone because it's a habit. The ding equals the find out what's on it. And so then, finally, you read your text. And then you have your reward. I know all the gossip. I know all the gossip that was being texted to me. You, you are now satiated with knowing what was on that text. That was your reward. This is how habits are formed. There's a reminder, and then there's a routine that comes from the reminder, and then you are rewarded in some way from doing the routine that was struck by the reminder. You do this when you come to Grace Community Church. Okay? As soon as you drive in the parking lot, there's a reminder. Bing! I'm hungry for donuts. Like, that's what it is. You hit that parking lot, and you drive down. You park at the closest spot down here, and you walk across past our front doors, and then you walk all the way into the courtyard. They actually, they actually cut down some mileage for you today, and they put it here under the, uh, under the eave because it was raining. And you, you load up on donuts, and you shove all these donuts into a cup. I know those aren't co that's not coffee in those cups. It's donuts shoved in the cup. I know how this works, okay? You pack as many donuts as you can in there, put a lid pretending like there's actually coffee in there. <laughs> and, then you, 
and then you bring it in, okay? Maybe you have coffee too and you're like double fisting, you know? Yeah, you got two, okay? And then you sit down and you begin to munch and drink and there's your reward. Ah, this is so relaxing. And so that's become a habit for some of you. Sometimes you come like on Tuesday to my office for a meeting, you're like, where are the coffee and donuts? I mean, (laughs) when I go in there, I expect to see coffee and donuts. This is how habits are formed. And I want to use this outline to show you how, how this could be possible. How it could be possible to read your Bible every single day. Okay? So let's start with the reminder. Remember, our topic is reading the Bible every single day. First, we need a reminder. You got to set an alarm on your cell phone. So you all have cell phones. I want you to get them out, and I give you permission to, to get them, and I want you to set an alarm, okay, for your time that you are going to read your Bible this next week, all right? Make sure your ringer is off right now, but pull your cell phone out, and I want you to set a realistic time on your alarm, okay? Whatever it is, I don't, it doesn't matter to me what it is. You just have to have a reminder that when that thing happens, I'm going to do it. So you have to pick your time. I know like on New Year's Day, like, oh, I'm going to wake up at 3.30 in the morning. I'm going to read for three hours. I'm going to pray for another two. And it's going to be great. No, you're not. No, you're not. Okay? Your willpower runs out. Right? You're not going to do that. And so pick a time that works for you. Pick Pick 10 minutes. If you don't read the Bible every single day right now, just pick 10 minutes. And, and pick 10 minutes in your day that when that alarm goes off, you are going to read your Bible. Okay? Pick it. Okay? If you have your cell phone, go to your clock and set up your alarm. Okay? Pick it. It could be 10 minutes. If it's 10 minutes um, earlier waking up, set it for 10 minutes earlier waking up. That means that if you woke up 10 minutes earlier, you'd have a quiet house and you could go and you could do that. Maybe that doesn't work for you. Maybe it would be 10 minutes after everybody goes to bed. We'll set that alarm. Maybe it's 10 minutes before everybody shows up to work. Okay, probably need to set your alarm 10 minutes earlier in the morning and then set your alarm ahead of time when you want that alarm to go off for for reading your Bible. Oh, I just heard someone and just, (laughs) someone just said something. All right, I heard it. Okay, that's good. Someone's going to read the Bible this week. <laughs> maybe, it's, um, maybe it's the 10 minutes after work quits and everybody leaves, but you're going to stay 10 minutes later. Whatever your 10 minutes, you have to set an alarm, okay? Pick a time, set your alarm, okay? Now, the next one. We send an email once a month, the last Friday of the month, with Bible reading. We have some people in our church family who are already doing this. And we send an email to you, and it's an email that has, you can't see this up close, but this is just a list of what you're reading this month. It just has every day of the month, and it has what you're reading. And it's just one chapter a day, one New Testament chapter a day. That's it. It takes you maybe five minutes to read one New Testament chapter. All right, so all you nopers who don't read, if you don't read, it may take you seven minutes, all right? So we email this to you on the last Friday of every month. So there's another reminder, but we have to have your email address. And so on that little tear-off sheet on you know, the program that you have, write down your email address and click the box, put me on your mailing list. And every Friday you'll get an email from us, but the last Friday we'll have just a link to this every single month, Okay. 
So we've got some reminders. Set your alarm. You have your cell phone with you now. When else are you going to do this? As soon as we're done here, you're going to go watch a football game and you're not going to pay attention anymore. Now's your chance. If you want to make this a new habit, let's set the reminder. And finally, ask someone else to participate with you. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe a coworker that's a Christian. And the reason that you just have someone else join you is so that you send each other reminding texts. You know, maybe at the end of the week, hey, did you read this week? Maybe each day, did you read today? 365 texts, did you read today <laughs> over the next year? That'd be great on yourself. It's worth it, okay? It's worth it to have somebody else. Now, those of you who are already in a small group, men's small group, women's small group, you already have a group of people who would be willing to do that for you. But here, here are four reminders that will begin this process. Remind you to do it. What then is the habit that's formed as you're reminding? Okay, so that's the, the next step is the routine. So first you have the reminder, and then you have the routine. I don't think for all of you, how is this even possible, people? How is this even possibleers? I, I don't think your issue is the reminder. I, I think you could get the reminder down. It's usually the routine. Usually we have a problem with this part. We have an issue with having privacy or a plan. You know, we just don't, we don't, ha- we don't have either one of those. And so it just kind of all goes out the window. There's no privacy. Uh, you're always getting email. Someone's always knocking on your office door. If you're a parent of young kids, even the restroom is not a sacred place. And so you just can't get any privacy. And so that's one issue. And then the other one is some people just don't have a plan. They have no plan. They don't know where they're going to do it, when they're going to do it. They don't know what to read. They just like open up. Okay, we're just going to start in Genesis. Start on in page one. And page one's great. And two and three and four and five, those pages are great. But then you get to Leviticus. And you get to the laws of the you know, tabernacle and what you should wear and what you should like. Oh, my goodness. And so you go for a week and you try to stick with it. And you go a second week and you try to, but then in 21 days, you're like, forget it. I'm out. I'm done. Because you just don't have a plan and what to do and, and how to do it. And so let's work out a routine for you, okay? So, so first you have the reminder. And so now what's your routine? So you've got to pick a place and a time, even if it's a short place or time. So you've got to pick it. You can't just say it's going to happen because if it's just going to happen, you have no plan and, and this is going to fail. But if you want to read the Bible regularly this year, think of a routine, a place. It could be in your house before people wake up. It could be in your house after people go to bed. It could be at work before or after people show up. Uh, when I worked in retail, you know, your hours are just so wacky. One day you're working till 1 a.m. The next morning you're getting there and opening at 7. And so what mine was during that time was during my lunch break, I'd sit in my car for an hour, and that was, my, that was my Bible reading and prayer time, was the one hour in my car, okay? And people thought I was weird. I didn't really care, all right? So for me, mine was my lunch break in my car. So you pick your time. Pick your place. Pick one that works best for you. And secondly, you got to decide on a plan. Like, what are you reading? And so that's why I mentioned this to you. We send to you every month in an email a Bible reading plan, so that you can read your Bible every day. We give you a break on the weekends and you only read once on the weekends. Come on. We let you slack one day a week. That would be Sunday, okay, I guess. All right? So one chapter every day. And if you read one chapter in the New Testament every day, you will read the entire New Testament in a year. And it's great. 
Um, my family has done this before. <laughs> Last year, uh, my kids were kind of tired. It's kind of weird to say, tired of reading through the New Testament. We had done it a lot. And so they're like, why don't we read the Old Testament? I'm like, are you guys really sure you want to read through the Old Testament? And so we did. We read the Old Testament in a year this last year. It was brutal. I mean, concubines and all sorts of, <laughs> all sorts of stuff. Um, the Old Testament, is, it's uh, devotional reading in the Old Testament's tough. But New Testament is built for devotional reading. It's practical. Every day you can apply what you read that day to your life that day. And so if you only have 10 minutes, you want 10 minutes of the New Testament. And so that's why we send this to you. There's also these things at, at Connection Central. So if you want to grab one of these on your way out so you could start, great. But we email this to you every single month. And so you could stay right along. And there are many people in this room who are reading. These are the people who are the I already do thatters. They already know what this is. You know, they, they actually click that link in that email the rest of you guys delete. Okay? And so that's the routine of of what we're going to do. And then, so what about a reward? I mean, there are rewards for everything we do. When you exercise, you get buff, you feel better, your skin glows. When you smoke, there are rewards. You get that nicotine hit. Like, I mean, there are rewards to, to habits. Uh, that's why they are a habit, is because there's a reward that comes after them. When you, there's a reward for the habitual practice that, that, you know, the best athletes do. The reward is the win, you know? And so what's the reward for reading the Bible? Well, there are many of them, but I'm going to show you a few. Here's a reward. It helps you stop sinning. Look at Psalm 119.11. It says, Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Did you know that when you read your Bible daily, it will help you stop sinning? Okay. You'll never become sinless, but you will begin to sin less and less as you begin to make God's word a part of your life. There's a reward for reading the Bible. Here's another one. It gives you clarity for your future. We've already talked about this, about the direction, you know, in Second Timothy. But Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You wonder what's going on in your life or what you should do next or, or wh- wh- what you should do with your kids in college or what you should do for retirement and, and where you should go on that vacation. Yeah, we all do. We all, need, we all need help for where we should go. And as you read God's word, it slowly lights the path in front of you. It, it's not like runway lights where you see the end. It's just a path right in front of you. Here's your next step. Here's your next step. And for some of you, this is your next step, is to read God's word every day so that it can help you with other decisions that you make in the future. Here's another one. It gives you freedom from your past. John 8 says, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Free from what? Free from all of your past. I know there are things in your past that you regret, that you wish didn't happen. There are things that you mull over in your brain that that you've done even after you were a Christian. You put your faith in Jesus, you repented, you were baptized, and you've still done some dumb things, and you, you confess those things to God, you allow Jesus to wash that sin away, but you still feel guilty, you still doubt your salvation, and when you read God's word, it reminds you, hey, Jesus Christ's death on the cross was for it all, the past, the present, and the future. He died for it all. It, it relieves you, gives you freedom from your past. And fourthly, you finally, you get what you want. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Here we are, a bunch of people, Grace Community Church. First Sunday 
in 2019. And I'm, I, I think the reason that you're here is because you wanted to get closer to God today. I mean, that's my assumption, is that you came here because you want to get closer to God. That's a good reason to be here. I want that. God wants that for you. And when you read the Bible, you are drawing near to God. And what is the promise, according to James? As you draw near to God, he draws near to you. Isn't that what you wanted when you came in today? Get you what you want. I promised you that. You keep to this habit. Remember, it's not a finish line. It's a lifestyle. When do you finally stop doing a habit? Never. It's a constant, continual thing. That's why Paul told Timothy, continue in it. Okay? It gets you what you want. If you're a believer in here today, you put your faith and trust in Jesus sometime in the past and you've been baptized, reading the Bible will get you what you want. You want to be closer to God? The Bible will help you draw near to him and he will draw near to you. And so that's the plan, the reminder, the routine, and the reward. You've got to set the reminder though today. If you don't do it now, um, the routine will never follow and then you'll never experience the great rewards of it. Um, We have some people in here who are eye rollers and you're not really sure if any of this even matters. At least I've shown you my math today, all right? I've done my best to show you my math in why I think it's important that you read your Bible every single day, but I can't make you eat your vegetables. <laughs> okay? I, can't, I can't do that. There's some nopers in here who are just like, eh, I know I should, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not a reader. You can do five or seven minutes, but even if you can't, there are um, apps that you can put on your phone for free that are Bible apps that read the Bible to you. You can listen most of you are awake right now, and so that means you've been able to listen. <laughs> and so you could listen for five minutes, couldn't you? So put an app on your phone and at least listen to it. Now, there is value to reading it in a Bible and because you can slowly go through it and you can remind yourself of what was just said before when it says, therefore, you're like, what is that therefore? And you go back and look. But if you need to start somewhere, just listen to it for five minutes for the nopers. How is this even possible, Urs? This is how it's possible. You just have to set the reminder. You just need someone to remind you. You need to recruit someone else to be on your team to to make it a part of a routine of your life. Now, if you put your email address on that tear-off card and put me on your mailing list, well, we'll email. I'll be a part of the reminder once a month, okay? But you need a reminder every day from your phone. Right now is the time to read it. Okay. Now, there's some of you who are not to this step. There's some people in here who this isn't for you. You still need to put your faith and trust in Jesus. You've already heard who he is. He's God in the flesh that has died on the cross for your sin. And, and that's the first step. Repent. Instead of doing it on your own way, turn to Jesus. Put your faith and trust in him. Allow him to wash you of your sins. And we at least want to give you the opportunity to do that this morning. And so I'm going to ask all of you, would you be willing to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning, create a little separation between you and the person next to you for just a minute. And if you'd like to put your faith and your trust in Jesus, the very first step, you don't need to go anywhere, you don't need to walk anywhere, say anything out loud. God knows your heart. He can hear what's in your mind. He understands your intentions. And so in the quietness of 
your own heart, here's what you can say to God. You can say, dear God, I, I know that I've sinned and I know that I need a savior and I believe that Jesus is that savior. I believe Jesus is God, that he came from heaven and lived a perfect life. I believe that he died on the cross just like Paul told all those 3,000 people there. I believe that he rose from the grave just like Paul said. I believe that he went back up into heaven just like Paul said too. I believe that he is in heaven right now. And I want to put my faith and my trust in this Jesus. I need forgiveness from my sins. I need him to wash my sin away. I need to put my faith and my trust and my hope, my belief in this Jesus. I put my eternity into his hands. I put my life into his hands. With your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, the immediate promise is exactly what, what Peter told them, that God the Holy Spirit will come and live inside of you and will help you live a life honoring to God until you go to heaven. Many of you have already done that, but maybe you haven't begun reading his word. You've not begun to draw close to him. And so right now would be a great moment to make that commitment. If this is your next step, you could say, God, I know I haven't been reading your Bible, and I know that I should have, but I want to. I want to draw near to you by reading your Bible regularly. And I'm going to need your help to maintain that commitment. So I ask for your help in this. So God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your clarity. I thank you for putting these people, this church, these new Christians in front of us so that we could learn what their steps were and so that we could follow suit. We praise you for you revealing these things in your word and for that we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.